0: saints. Who are they? Well, they're not canonized in glory. These are living people walking on the earth. These are people who are identifiable as part of the church of the Lord Jesus. Not just because they've signed a card or because they have grown up with a Christian heritage, but these saints by the very definition of the term means holy ones. They have been made holy in the eyes of God. Not because they were born holy, not because they're any better than others, but because of justification by faith alone, which means just as if I had never sinned. And by the power of the gospel, there has been cleansing. And so that in God's eyes, these saints, these people in the church, they are holy, pure, cleansed in the eyes of God of God. And these are God's own people. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. We have a a wonderful opportunity to present to you the gospel. It's called Three Dimensions of the Love of God. The length, the breadth, and the height. And of course, this is expressive of the mighty scope of the gospel to satisfy the needs Of the human heart God's love is so high you can't get over it it's so wide you can't get around it and it's so deep you can't get under it this is our message today we also have a hymn on at Calvary and I trust that you will be blessed as we do minister on on Calvary that's our delight to to point men and women to the cross to the bleeding wounds of a, of a suffering Savior and say, here is the answer for sin. Here is the way back to God from the dark paths of sin. It is at the cross where we begin when we come as a sinner to Jesus. We also have some uh, more gospel stories today just to, to set out the, the wonderful history and the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus. So thank you for joining with us. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. We're going out to the pulpit ministry of our church, and the message is in Ephesians on the three dimensions of God's love. As I said earlier, try and preach that. Though one of the, the most difficult things in the world is to preach the gospel in all its fullness and to make men comprehend and understand that God's love, God's grace through his Son is real. It's not merely theory, it's not merely imagination, it's not merely some phony experience, it is real. You will see in this passage in Ephesians 3 that the Apostle Paul was driven to his knees when he was assigned this task to preach this gospel. In verse 8, you have the preacher's job description, and you'll see the size of the task. Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And then in verse 10 is the wisdom of God toward the church. Uh, And how God's mind, God's infinite mind, is at work to bring this truth and this message to the hearts of men. In verse 12 and 13, you have the boldness that is required. And for Paul, it led to personal suffering. There were critics. Uh, There were those who likened this to foolishness. The Greeks certainly did. And there were those who were offended. The Jews were offended. You're telling me that I'm going to be saved by a man hanging on a cross, suffering and bleeding to death, and by that scene of ignominy, of horror, that you're telling me that's the gate to heaven? No, Paul, how can this be? And so he was driven to his knees. And in verse 14, you see his burden to pray for this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's certainly true that every preacher should pray as much as he preaches to any soul. And I assure you of my prayers. I pray for you. And those who come to prayer meetings, I pray with you. I realize the total inadequacy of human ability to bring to the hearts of men the great and glorious truths of the gospel. It can't be done, humanly speaking. And for this, you see the prayer of the apostle in verse 18 and 19. He he says that they may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which... Passeth knowledge. Now in the midst of the profoundness of all this, I have a a little outline, a little framework by which I want to tackle this task. There is the people of his love. You'll see in this passage a reference to the saints. There is the inner possession of this love. Paul talks about the inner man being renewed there is the operation of this love and that will come to the ministry of the Holy Spirit and then there is the equation of this love the breadth the length, the depth the height and then finally the purpose of this love and you will see how this passage ends with a great doxology unto him that is able be glory in the church Did you come to church today because you want to glorify your Savior? That ought to be. That ought to be. And that's where we must get to today. Before you take that cup and before you take that bread in your hands, your burden must be, my life, my testimony, my worship must be unto Him who is worthy and to Him be glory. Let's start then with the people of his love. Look at verse 18. It says here uh, that uh, may be able to comprehend with all saints. Saints, who are they? Well, they're not canonized in glory. These are living people walking on the earth. These are people who are identifiable as part of the church of the Lord Jesus. Not just because they've signed a card or because they have grown up with a Christian heritage. But these saints, by the very definition of the term, means holy ones. They have been made holy in the eyes of God. Not because they were born holy. Not because they're any better than others. But because of justification by faith alone. Which means just as if I had never sinned. And by the power of the gospel there has been cleansing. And so that in God's eyes, these saints, these people in the church, they are holy, pure, cleansed in the eyes of God. And these are God's own people. These are those who are included here and no other. We could not write sinner into this category. And so we're speaking particularly here to born-again Christians to those that are saved, to those that belong to the Lord, and who can claim that great blessing, I have been justified, declared righteous by the gospel pronouncements in the word of the Lord. And so you can see that it's a great thing to be a Christian. Uh, That's something you should say every morning as you jump out of bed. It's great to be a Christian. It's great to be living in the assurance of the pardoning power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. When you go back to chapter 1 and look at the uh, introduction and how Paul addresses these people, he talks about them who have access to the Father, chosen from the foundation of the world, who are accepted in the Beloved. These are the people that are addressed here, and to them are given this very experience of the love of god and so we have people here in this meeting today people here in these seats this morning who are the saints who belong to god we are among the saints part of the true church the visible church of the lord jesus and we're worshiping under the headship of the lord jesus we don't claim our own goodness we don't claim our own abilities we come confessing that we're sinners, that we're undone of ourselves, and we are yet united to the Lord, and He is our glory. So, as someone said, if someone bids you to be a king, don't stoop to be a king if you're called to be a Christian, and don't serve the world when you're invited to serve the Lord Jesus. This is the great honor and the great privilege, and these are the people of Christ the Savior's love, and they are commanded to partake of the bread and the cup, those that have this faith life, those who are redeemed and are saints in God's eyes. Then you'll notice also in verse 16, we're going back a little bit in the text, and you'll notice uh, that there's the inner possession of this love, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. There's the inner possession of this love of God. And what a wonderful term. You don't find this term uh, in the language of trading and business. Uh, This is a gospel term, the inner man. What is that? Uh, What is this inner man that we're speaking of? Well, it's the regenerate, born-again nature of the Christian. When you were born a son of Adam, you were born once. But when you were born a son of God, you were born twice with a new nature, a heavenly nature, born from above, born of the Spirit. And so there is in you an inner spiritual nature which responds to the wonders of the grace of of God. And so it refers here to the converted man or woman. It's the Nicodemus that's in our church here today, the person who's been born again. It's the Lydia whose heart has been opened to the gospel. And there is in you this inner man, this new nature. Now you'll notice uh, that in verse 17 the apostle goes on to define it a little further and he says, it is the very life of Christ dwelling in you, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. What a wonder! Is that what Christianity is? You mean it's it's a miracle? You mean this living Son of God, who is alive in glory, by His Spirit comes and takes up residence in the very hearts of his redeemed people. That's exactly what Christianity is. You are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are now become the dwelling place where the living Lord Jesus comes to reside and dwell in you. And it's an essential of salvation. Paul said it in Romans 8, 9, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. What a searching question. If you do not know what it means to be indwelt by the Lord and to be the temple of His Spirit, you're not a Christian. You're none of His. You're an outsider. You're still in your sins. You can't claim to be justified nor have pardon. You have no claim to the blood of Jesus if there is not this inner life, Christ-dwelling in your heart by faith. And then in verse 19, it goes a little further. It's not only an essential of salvation, it is the mystery of God in all his fullness working in us. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Can you understand that? I think I can grasp something of it. But how do I preach it? The best help that I have found to grapple with this is the story of a man who discovered a bottle. And he went to the sea and he pulled out the cork and he put the bottle into the sea and he filled the bottle with seawater. And then he put the cork on the bottle. And after that, he threw the bottle into the sea. And then he announced, the sea is in the bottle, and the bottle is in the sea. And Christians are saying that Christ lives in me, and I live in all the fullness of God. What a wonder it is. How can we even begin to take it in? That brings me to the operation of this love. Uh, You will see there in verse 16 that Paul's prayer Uh, pleads for the work of the Holy Spirit, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Paul couldn't do this. Paul could not convey to the minds of men and women the wonder of all of this. It is the special ministry of the Holy Spirit. And no doubt, theologian as he was, he attempted to explain and expound, but often felt that he was a failure. And there are many times that the preacher is called to preach these things, and we say we just fell flat. We didn't get through. We couldn't make it clear. And so we are all dependent on the work of God the Holy Spirit to minister to hearts. Now, notice the word strengthened. This is the prayer of the Apostle, verse 16. He is asking for this ministry of the Spirit to strengthen, put spiritual life into men's hearts that they may begin to comprehend. You'll notice it's done by faith in that verse 16 that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Faith is a living thing. Faith is like leaven. Faith is like a seed that once planted, it must grow. Faith must be nurtured. And it is the work of the Holy Spirit to water faith and to give growth to faith so that your faith is not weakening but strengthening and that you are able to lay hold upon and grasp the wonder of the gospel of what the Lord Jesus has done for your soul. So it's faith, and you'll notice that it's faith in Christ. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. It is to grow in the knowledge of Him. It is to comprehend His victories for you. And to enter into real, sweet fellowship in the Lord. You'll notice what the Spirit does when faith grows. It gives roots. And it grounds us in the love of God. Verse 17. And so I think my analogy of the seed is is the best one we can use. When the seed is in the ground and it's watered, it must grow. And it will take root. And when those roots, get a hold of the the earth and of the nutrition, then it is a living, wonderful thing. And that's the Christian life. When you are regenerated, the seed is planted in your heart. But the Spirit of God must water that seed. And the roots must go down deep into the great truths of the gospel and the very living experience of the Lord Jesus. And as those roots take hold, then there's going to be strong faith and a living experience of the Lord Jesus. And that's the work of the Spirit. That is the ministry of the Spirit to your heart. That's the operation of the Spirit through faith, revealing Jesus through the Word, creating faith in Him. And it has to happen. I remember a man in my church, over 30 years ago, I was a very, very young preacher then, and I was preaching in this community building. And as I preached the word, there was this man who heard the, the call of the gospel. But he gave his testimony. And he said, as I sat under the preaching, I saw Christ on the cross. I saw my Redeemer. didn't see the preacher." He didn't just hear words. In that gospel meeting, God gave to him a living reality of the Lord Jesus himself. And in times of gospel awakening and revival blessing in the church, that has been the multiplied experience of souls. They have been led to experience and behold the dying the bleeding, the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus, and it became reality, not just some mere religious protocol, he was the living Lord Jesus, right before their eyes of faith. to let the Bible speak. This is Ian Golliher. I really appreciate this opportunity to share with you the things of God, and I trust that you're growing in grace and abounding in the Lord Jesus. Let us not be cast down, but delight ourselves in the love of God. I have a few wonderful gospel stories to share with you here today. Here is one called, There Is No Difference Remember, the man on Skid Row is not different in kind from the rest of us. He is merely worse in degree. On Skid Row we see fallen man at his dismal worst. In the better neighborhoods we see him at his polished best, but he is the same man for all his disguise. In the gutter we find him chained by dope and drink and dirt. On the avenue we find him bound by pride and greed and lust. To God there is no difference. He sees beyond appearances, and he knows what is in every heart. His remedy for every man is the same. A new birth, and the impartation of a new kind of life. The gospel is the power of God operating toward the moral and spiritual transformation of man. And it works. Thousands will testify that it does. No man who wants to climb up out of his past and find a new and better life should overlook the gospel. It is God's way out, and there is no other. Another account gives us that the gospel brings men to the level. The rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. That's Proverbs 22, verse 2. This truth was strikingly illustrated at a reception of members in Calvary, Baptist Church, Washington, D.C., some years ago. Dr. Green, the pastor, received into the church on the same morning the Honorable Charles Evans Hughes, a Chinese and a washerwoman. As he saw the unusual group standing before him, he paused and said, My friends." I will have you to notice that at the cross of Christ, the ground is level. Here's another account of Sumus Hermanus. High up in the wild mountain region of Peru, a missionary and a native Indian pastor came unexpectedly upon a group of crude Indian huts. No one was at home for it was the season when the Indians were away gathering coffee. The missionary looked in one of these huts and was surprised to see a Bible and a songbook stuck in one of the rafters. Just then some of the Indians returned, and they were none too pleased to see strangers prowling around their premises. But the Indian pastor knew that the presence of the Bible meant that these Indians had come in touch with a Protestant mission. They are brothers, he said to the missionary. That means they know the gospel. So he called out to the approaching Indians. We are brothers, your brothers. Instantly the attitude of the Indians changed. They knew what that phrase meant. The strangers were invited in, and about 50 Indians gathered around while they sang songs together and prayed and had the pastor tell some Bible stories. This little incident illustrates admirably what Christianity is trying to accomplish, making brothers of all men. If you go into the wilds of Peru, remember the phrase, "Somos Hermanus, we are brothers. In many places it will work like a charm. This. Is the power of the gospel and how great it is to be a Christian and indeed to go to any part of the world and to meet those who are fellow believers. I have had the great opportunity of ministering in Singapore, Malaysia, Sri Lanka, and of course in various parts of North America. People from all over the world, we have uh, people worshiping with us week by week from the extremities of the earth, and we worship our Lord Jesus out of the same hymnal and, of course, from the same Bible, and we delight in the grace of our Lord Jesus. That's the gospel. We are a people of an international church because Jesus died for all kinds of men, of every tribe, people, and tongue. They will be in heaven.
1: May the Lord bless His word today. You have been listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of this broadcast or would like to hear it again, you can go to ltbs.ca. You will also see ways you may support this gospel ministry. And you will find details about our church in Scarborough, where Pastor Larry Saunders is the minister, in Port Hope, where Reverend Reggie Cranston is the minister, in Berry, where Reverend Anthony De Derno is the minister, and in Buffalo, where Reverend Philone is the minister, you will find all their details at ltbs.ca. If I can be of personal help, I would love to open the Bible to talk and pray one to one with you, so that you may know you are saved and sure of it. Call me at six zero four. or email me at ltbsradio at gmail.com. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Until the same time next week on this station, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His loving
2: care.